I'm reviewing here! Oh, excuse me, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watches and reviews Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. Pardon me. I had to blow. I got a, I got a cold. Yeah, it's the time here. Just a sec. Oh, God, so annoying. Yeah, it's the time of the year. It always happens. Uh, uh, what can I say? You know, I like I hate colds. Who likes getting a cold? But you know, a part of me almost kind of likes it because I like my voice when I have a cold. Like, do I sound different right now? Do I sound sexier? Because I always think that I do when I have a cold. Like when I feel congested, I feel like my voice gets a little. It sounds a little bit more voluptuous, a little bit more lecherous, a little bit more libidinous. Do I sound like Cruella Deville? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. No, I think I do, really. And but um, you know, but I'm nice. Like I love dogs. I don't. I would never kill dogs ever. But um, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, is there something wrong with me? I don't know. Like what it is. It's just a bizarre thought that I had. Like as I was getting a cold today. Well, as I was continuing to blow my nose today, I was like, God, you know what? This is really annoying. But I sound hot. I think on my dating profile, you know, on Hinge, you can add like an audio so people can hear what you sound like. And I think I'm going to do that. No, no, I won't just, I mean, yeah, no, I'm not that desperate. I mean, I am, but not for that. I don't know what it is, you know, because you know what the other odd thing is? I love going to the gym and feeling pain the next day, like sore pain. I mean, is there, I mean, there is something wrong with me, obviously. Like, the other day I worked out my chest, and I felt no pain the next day, and I was so mad. I literally woke up and screamed, HELL! Like, I was just, I was, I was livid. I, 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 yeah. And, like, I did my back workout today, and I cannot wait to wake up tomorrow and feel sore. Deadlifts, you guys? Everybody, do a deadlift, like, once in your life, and watch yourself do it. You look so cool. Like, every time I deadlift, I'm like, God, I wish, like, TMZ, like, I'm not famous, no one cares about me, but, like, I wish they were nearby so they could see me do it because, you know, I'm a skinny-ass little scrawny kid with bad skin, and I can deadlift. How much can I deadlift? 110 pounds. I know. It's hot. Very hot. Anyway, look, I hope you all are doing very well. Um, I have an interesting movie to review today. So today we are going to be reviewing a very surreal movie. This is a movie by a very accomplished British director by the name of Terence Davies. Uh, it is called... What is it called? Sorry, it's the cold. <laughs> no, this movie... I'm just kidding. This movie is called Distant Voices Still Lives. Did you marry him? It was nice. 
was a good dancer. Starting to draw in now, aren't they, Mum? Love is a many splendored thing. Gabubi gabagabu. Oh, God. Oh, guys, this movie. I got some bad news. I didn't like it. And you know, like, I say that with so much regret because it is such a beautifully filmed movie. Uh, it, it, like, from beginning to end, it's just gorgeously filmed. Gorgeously filmed. The cinematography. Terrence Davies, the director, I'm going to talk about him first. You know, he is a true visionary. I mean, he knows what... Who the hell is texting me? Oh, sorry, Instagram. Um, he is... Um, he knows what he wants in a shot, you know, and a lot of times that's kind of like rare in cinema, you know, nowadays. We we get like a lot of new filmmakers who we can tell have their own style and it's really, really cool. But, you know, Terrence Davies, I mean, he's 77 years old now, I think, and he's very special. He is one of uh, England's like most famous directors of all time. Uh, he, I don't know, I mean, he does small movies I have seen a few of them. He did a movie uh, last year called Benediction, which was really good, uh, really amazing movie. He did a movie with Cynthia Nixon. Uh, I almost said Cynthia, like, anytime I hear Cynthia, I just think of the Rugrats. Uh, He did a movie with Cynthia Nixon called A Quiet Passion, which came out in 2016, and it was all about uh, Emily Dickinson. That was accidental, I swear. Um, She was... American, wasn't she? Wait, what did Emily Dickinson write? Um, I gotta look this up really quickly. Oh, she was just like a poet? What did she write? Oh, that's gonna bother me now. Oh, darn it. Um, Yeah, no, amazing movie. Amazing, amazing movie. Now, he did another movie called The Deep Blue Sea. Not Deep Blue Sea, the 1999 movie about killer sharks. No, this is The Deep Blue Sea. You know how there's a The Fast and the Furious and a Fast and Furious, which, and Fast and Furious is the fourth movie? Yeah, The Deep Blue Sea is, uh, has nothing to do with sharks. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous, sexy, amazing, like, breathtaking romantic drama uh, starring Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston. It, it, Tom Hiddleston, this is before he was, like, you know, the guy, like, the Loki, you know, Taylor Swift's former former lover, you know, the dude in the new King Kong movie. Like, this is before people, you know, kind of knew, didn't know, this is before people knew who he was, essentially. And this movie, The Deep Blue Sea, I mean, it was based on a play. It's very, very theater-esque. It, it was based on a, Brit, uh, a play by this uh, British playwright called Terence Radigan, 
There are shots in this movie, the deep blue sea, and I'm not, I know this movie's not on the list, so I just got to quickly, quickly talk about it though, because I mean, it just shows how much of a genius Davies is at with his camera. There are moments in that movie that are just so haunting. There are, shot, there are shots that like you would expect to see like in an art museum, you know? There's one shot in particular where, you know, Vice and Hiddleston's characters, they're, they're in bed naked. And it's, like, the early morning, and they just start to, like, hug each other and, like, caress each other. And they're, like, squee—they're not, like, having sex, I don't think. Or if they are, they're doing it incredibly slowly. But they are just hugging each other. And the camera is—it's like a, you know, uh, bird—what is it? Bird angle shot right above them. And the camera is just slowly spinning— and very, very slowly around them as they hug and caress each other. And it's like, you know, you see a lot of love scenes in movies. You don't see them like that. You don't see a, a scene like that where it really shows you what it means like to be in love and to, you know, just lose yourself in someone, you know? Whether you're in them or, or not. Oh God, I had, I had to make a sex joke. I'm sorry. Um, it, yeah. So, you know, look, Davies... Uh, He's an incredible director. Distant Voices, Still Lives, was just not for me. Oh my god. This movie, again, gorgeously shot. Um, it is actually considered to be, by a lot of critics, one of uh, England's, one of like the best British movies of all time. It came out in 1988. Uh, it's won a bunch of awards. A lot of famous people liked it. Jean-Luc Godard, the very famous French director, like said it was amazing. It's a very semi-autobiographical movie. So uh, Terrence Davies, he wrote and directed this. This is one of his very early movies, too. And Davies, you know, a quick summary of his childhood, wasn't very good. Uh, He grew up in uh, Liverpool, uh, and he was the youngest of 10 children. Insane. Uh, He was born to very Catholic parents. His dad was, like, insane uh abusive and that's kind of it that's kind of all you have to know and then you know you start watching uh distant voices still lives and you're like oh wow yeah this you can tell that this is um definitely like a passionate nostalgic movie uh all the way from beginning to end there's actually a shot a few shots in the movie where you see a picture like on the ceiling of a guy with uh, standing next to like a horse, I think. And that was actually Davy's real father uh, that he incorporated in the movie. So Distant Voices Still Lives. Why didn't I like it? Okay, I'll get into it. First, let me tell you what it's about. This is also, again, a very artsy-fartsy movie. Artsy-fartsy, fancy-schmancy. I use those words way too much uh, in my vocabulary, and I'm sick to death of using them. This movie, I mean, I'm half British. It, I, I liked it at first because, um, well, obviously because it just makes me want to go to London. I mean, this is set in Liverpool. Sorry, I gotta stop doing that. It, it, it makes me just miss England. You know, I used to go to England all the time when I was a kid. Then when I became a teenager, I was like, no, I don't want to get on a plane. I'm, I'm, a, I'm independent, and I stopped going. And then it only took me a few years ago to be like, no, I want to go back. I miss my family. And then COVID hit. Fucking COVID. Um, and then uh, now part. Oh my God! I don't think I've ever said the F word on here. I'm sorry. Um, but now uh, 
I get to go back a lot. And I actually do have British British citizenship. Wow, say that 10 times really fast. Fast, Jesus Christ. Yeah, British citizenship, British citizenship. I got that. And then, of course, I happen to get it right before Brexit happens. So it's like just my friggin' luck. You know, that's karma. Karma is very real, people. Some of you may be wondering, too, like, you're half British. Can you do an accent? I cannot do a British accent because it always turns into an Australian accent. Like, every damn time. Like, it's literally, like, I kid you not, it's like, oh, I had a good day today, I went to school, and then, oh, there's a shark over there! Like, it it always just, I get so over the top with it. I do. Um, But I still will, you know, get, like, weak at the knees if I'm walking around Philadelphia. This, like, never happens, but, like, if I'm walking around Philadelphia and I hear a British person near me, I'm like, oh, yeah, the accent is just amazing. But here's a little um, rule for Americans listening. Guys, British people don't like when you try to talk like them. Don't do it. It's just, it's annoying. <laughs> um, it's annoying. It is. Uh, and I know I probably just did it. Well, I was just showing you an example, too. That's also why I don't like to speak in a British accent, because it's so bad. And, like, Brits are just so annoyed with, you know, people trying to talk like them. It's annoying. I've had my fair share of being a total jackass to British people in the past. You know, my, my best friend in college, he, I remember, uh, he had a party one time, uh, and I went over and there was a British guy over there and I legit was like drunk out of my mind and was just like, Oh, hello. Are you British? So cool. And this poor guy was like, yes, yes, I'm British. Um, what, what, what are you laughing at? Like, are you making fun of me? And I was like, Oh God. And then I think my exact reaction was, yes, I am. It wasn't very nice. That's why I don't drink that much anymore. Um, well, I do drink, but just not vodka. Vodka is not good for me at all. Alrighty. What was I talking about? It's late. I like to record these podcasts late um, because I actually get a lot more energy at night than I do like in the afternoon, like on the weekend. So, and I, yeah, I get really into it. And I also just watched this movie. So it's like very clear in my mind. So Distant Voices Still Lives, what's it about? What's the deal? Why didn't I like it? Okie dokie, what's it about? Let's start with that. It's about nothing, really. It's about a family. Uh, in It's about a working class family in Liverpool in the 1940s and the 1950s. A working class Catholic family, that is. Her, her, wink, wink, Davies, you know, autobiographical. I don't know how much of this is autobiographical, but a lot of it you can tell, um, you know, like the father especially, which I'll get into, was very much based on Davies' life. So this movie is basically divided into two parts. It's like two movies in one. Uh, Distant Voices is like part one of the movie, and that follows this family, and in particular the kids, like when the kids are young and, and you know, World War II is happening, and the Germans were like dropping bombs in England and London everywhere and, and the Blitz is happening. Fun fact, my grandma's British. She um, lived through the Blitz. She used to tell me all the time about when she was a kid, she had to hide in the tubes and everything. Tube is the, the subway, not like a tube. No, like no, no one can fit in a tube. Uh, yeah, but really scary. But part one of the movie is about that. And then part two, which is titled Still Lives, follows the kids when they're adults. So this family, uh, there are two parents, and they don't have names. They're just mother and father. The mo- the father is played, 
Oh, they do have names, but they're like never called that. I'm sorry. The father, his name is Tommy, but he's essentially just the father. He's played by the late, great, amazing, incredible Pete Postlewaite. Am I saying his name right? I hope I am. Pete Postlewaite, uh, he passed away like, oh God, so young. Two, 2011, well, 64. I mean, that's old, but young still. Um, you'd recognize him if you Googled him. Guys, he was in a lot of movies that you've seen. Uh, I, he, he was in the Lost World Jurassic Park. He played, uh, I'm looking it up right now, Ro- Roland Tembo. I think he's a baddie in it. I think he cares about the dinosaurs, but he's a bit of a, you know, a, a uh, narcissist in that. He was in The Usual Suspects. He was in Romeo and Juliet, the one with Leo and Claire Danes. Leo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, I'm sorry. Uh, a whole bunch of movies. He was in the... <laughs> random he was in the omen remake which i actually thought was a really good movie inception he was in i didn't even know that anyway google him you'll recognize his name the mother was played by a woman named frida doey doey d-o-w-i-e i don't recognize her sorry frida but they're the parents and they have three kids they have two girls Maisie and eileen uh, the adults, Maisie's played by this actress named Lorraine Ashbourne, and Eileen is played by Angela Walsh. Now, fun fact, Lorraine Ashbor- Ashbourne is married to Andy Circus. Who's Andy Circus? Not Circus, like, ooh, clown! Circus with an S, S-E-R-K-I-S. Guys, Andy Circus was Gollum and King Kong and basically any CGI like animal in any movie that you've seen. That was probably Andy Circus. Planet of- Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that was him too. Yeah. Lorraine is his wife, and they have been married since 2002. Oh, that's sweet. So, oh, yeah, they have two kids. I'm sorry. And they also have a son named Tony. He's played by this actor named Dean Williams. Um, the father in this movie, played by P. Postlewaite, he is a POS. He is an abusive psychopath. Like, literally. And you know this very quickly. He's He's got a drinking problem, and he's just abusive. He's awful. He's one of those dads that you see in movies who, like, I, I don't even know. You know, I was going to say, like, he's the type of dad that loves his kids, but he's just very clearly, like, got a lot of mental issues. But I don't even know if he loves his kids, to be honest. I mean, like, there's a moment in the movie where it's Christmas Eve and the kids are all sleeping in a bed and he puts like their stockings, you know, at the end of their bed. And he's, I think he says something like, Oh, happy Christmas or whatever. And then the next scene though, he's at the breakfast table or the dinner table and the kids are there and he just freaks out and starts screaming and throws everything off the table. And he beats up his wife. There's a heartbreaking shot uh, where, you know, his wife is just covered in bruises and she's trying to fight back tears. And as she's clean, wiping this table, it's really sad. And there's even a worse scene. And this is crazy because this really did happen where he beats up Maisie. Maisie like wants to go to the school dance and she, he makes her clean the floor in the basement or, or the shed or something. And he gets a broom and he beats her. And that really happened. Um, Pete Postlewaite, like, actually asked Terrence Davies, like, I, do I really got to do that? And Terrence said, my dad did that to my sister. Yeah, you got to do it. It's really crazy. How the friggin' hell can you beat up your children? Just what the hell is the matter with people? I don't get it. But that's, you know, uh, this, this movie, watching this movie, this is not your typical narrative movie. This movie, when you watch it, it is like watching someone's memory. It's like watch, it's like going on a ride like at Disney World and the ride is like 
going inside someone's brain. Kind of like being John Malkovich, but even more uh, weird. And less good, sorry, being John Malkovich. That's like one of my favorite movies. But that's what this movie is. And I say that because the movie's all about memory. Now think about this for a sec. Our minds, we live, our lives go so fast. I don't know about you guys, but like I think about past memories all the time. I had to burp, I'm sorry. Uh, That's why I paused. But I think about them all the time. I mean, I do it on this podcast. I always will like bring up a little memory. And I don't know, maybe I just need to get out more and I'm, I need to get a life more. (laughs) But like, it's crazy how the mind works because, you know, your, your mind is just filled with memories all out of order. And that's the thing in Distant Voices Still Alive that I do appreciate, that I did like. I liked how everything was not in chronological order. Everything is very disorienting in this movie. But you know why? Because your brain is disorienting. Memories are disorienting, you know? You don't think about things like you do, like like the way a movie is structured. No, you don't. When you think about when you were a kid or when you were a teenager, when you think about the good memories and the bad memories, it's all out of order because you can't control your mind. So Davies does that in a in a very impressive way, and I'll give him a lot of credit for that. That is um, a great thing about this movie. So what happens? Well, some stuff happens, I guess. Um, you know, the movie starts off with, one of the older sisters, you know, the eldest sister, Eileen, uh, she has just gotten married to this guy named, uh, oh God, what's his name? Oh, I wrote it down and I completely forget. Um, she gets married to this guy and David, I think is his name. Dave. Yeah. Dave is his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Dave is his name. She gets married to him and, you know, it cuts to a few scenes later and she's hugging him and crying to death. I want me dad. I want me dad. So she misses him. Meanwhile, though, you know, we, the camera kind of pans over to Maisie and you hear a little narration where she just goes like, I don't miss dad at all. Like, you know, he was, he sucked. And then, you know, it crosses over to Tony too. And he says the same thing. Like, I hated dad. So why did Eileen like her dad more? We don't know. We don't find out. We never do. This movie is just simply, uh, it's one of those movies that kind of just takes a little magnifying glass over a family and doesn't really explain a lot. Doesn't. Is that a bad thing? Well, a lot of people won't like that. Um, did I like that? That didn't bother me. I'll get to you what about what bothered me about this movie soon. But what does happen in this movie? Well, you know, yeah, Eileen gets married. Maisie gets married to this guy named George. Tony gets married. Uh, there are just a lot of shots of the family and their friends. You know, uh, Eileen and Maisie, they have a, a good friend of theirs named uh, uh, Jing. <laughs> yeah, what's her name? Jingles, <laughs> which I really like. Um, and, you know, she's kind of like a free spirit. But, you know, they go to the bar at night. They go to the movies. Uh, this is kind of where, you know, part two, the, the still lives, uh, part of the movie comes into play. You know, they go to the movies and love is a many splendor thing is playing and guys and dolls is playing. I've never seen guys and dolls either on my bucket list though. They do a lot of that. Uh, again, it's all cross cut. Everything is like, is that, did that scene already happened? Is this like a flashback? Is it a flash forward? What happened? Huh? Who? Huh? What's that? Huh? Who? Huh? 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 Who? Huh? 
What is that? What's that all mean? You know, and, and also, like, you got to remember, too, like, this movie, there's no central main character in it. The family is the main character. All of them are the main character in it. And the cinematography, I mean, it's just absolutely outstanding. The music, well, I'll get to the music in a sec. The score of the movie is beautiful, as you heard in that trailer. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. The cinematography, though, is, is like, I have no words to describe it in this movie. The cinematography was done by... Uh, Oh God, I didn't write it down. Who did the cinematography? I'm going to find out as I'm talking. It is just absolutely amazing. Oh, it was two people. Um, William Diver and Patrick Duvall. The way that they play with this camera in the movie is so remarkable. I mean, like there's a shot. A lot of the shots are asymmetrical, which is just really, really cool. It's really cool to see that in a movie. What is it? What is asymmetrical? Butterfly. You know how a butterfly, you cut it down the middle and both sides are the same? Uh, I learned that when I was like a kid and it's, it's fascinated me ever since. And I never get to use the word asymmetrical. So I do give this movie credit for that because it gets me, gives me an excuse to use it. But yeah, you know, there are a lot of shots like that. There's this really cool sequence where the camera is on, you know, uh, Eileen crying and her husband's eyes saying, I miss my dad. And then it just pans left very slowly and it cuts to all one shot, like a church. Like all these kids are in a church praying in front of a little, you know, statue of the Virgin Mary and there are candles everywhere. And then the camera pans some more and you see a window and you see the father, uh, you know, at putting like decorations on the Christmas tree. And it's just a very, very, um, I guess this is also more editing. The editing, which, which was also by William Diver, you know, it, the, the tricks that you can do with editing, this is like a prime example in this movie. It, it's, it's amazing how they do that. It is. Because you forget that you're watching a movie. Uh, you just go, how did they, wait, what happened to the, like, the lights and the, that? And because you know like when a scene cuts you know when it cuts but this is all one shot so it makes you think like did they actually like film this on a soundstage or something i mean it's very cool and you know they filmed this movie this is just insane it took them two years to film this movie two years and it was so low budget um which is just insane i mean it makes sense though because if there's, you don't have a lot of money and you got a lot of big scenes to film in this, then I guess it makes sense. You know, you got to wait to earn the money. But if there's only one, another really good moment in the movie. There's only one kind of big mo moment where you go, wow, that must have cost money. There's this, uh, you know, a quick flashback where the kids are walking around the city and then there's an air raid and you hear the sirens go off, World War II, you know, and the kids, their, their parents are running into this, uh, bunker and they're like where are the kids where are the kids and the kids are panicking and they hide under this little like wagon and then this guy grabs them and he's rushing them to the bunker and then right behind the kids these buildings just blow up and I don't know how they did it because those kids were really close to that those explosions uh, I really hope that that was that they were safe and no one died and then you know the kids go back to the bunker and then the dad slaps the daughter across the face and is like where are you um, where were you? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, the dad's really awful. And also, you know, there's a really random scene that I wrote down where we briefly meet years later. It's Eileen and Dave like eating dinner and Dave's also like a bit of a pig in it. Yeah, the men like aren't good in this movie. 
I don't think the director Davies was trying to say something about that, but they're just like not likable in it. <laughs> like none of them. Uh, they're either not likable or they're just really weird. We briefly meet uh, the father's brother, Uncle Ted, and they make him look like a real life Frankenstein. He literally opens up the door while Eileen and Dave are eating dinner and he turns off the light and he's like, Oi! Would you like the lights off? And you're just like, what? And then it just makes no sense. And you see him in like one more scene and then that's it. You know, so it's like a little quirky part about the movie. There's also like a fart joke in the movie, but I, there's no need for me to explain that. It's a quick moment. The movie ends very bizarrely. It, it basically ends with... They're like at a bar, and then there's this really bizarre, gorgeously filmed, but really bizarre moment where it looks like George, who is Maisie's husband, and Tony, the brother... They, like, fall through the this these, like, glass ceilings, and it's all just black in the background, and they're just, they fall through them. Again, it's like a bird's angle shot. High angle. I don't know why I keep saying bird's angle view. Bird, yeah, bird angle view. Yeah, that's what people call it. These two men, though, they just fall through them, and then it's kind of implied that Tony dies because, you know, in the next shot, his wife and, and um... And, and Eileen and, and uh, Dave are like, you know, sitting around his hospital bed crying. And it does have a really good closing shot. It basically ends with Tony getting married and, you know, the mother and the kids and the in-laws, you know, her in-laws. They're walking down the street as and, you know, they're, they're, the camera's behind them and they're walking just down the street at night. And then, you know, it's another trick of the, the eye where, or trick of editing, whatever you call it, you know, where in the next scene... The mom is walking down, but it's just, the, it's older because it, it's later on because the mom is older and she's walking, but it's just with Maisie and George. And you can kind of just like tell from the mom's express, you know, just, just from the back of her head. She gives a great performance in it, this Frida actress. Um, you can tell that she just looks a little bit sad just from behind. So why didn't I like this movie, you guys? The singing. There is so much acapella singing in this movie. Pitch Perfect, like, for Britain. Yeah. Pitch Perfect for the abusive father. Literally, I, 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 I could not... I, I, I tried my best. I really, really did. But in every scene in this movie characters just break out into song and no this isn't a musical they just sing they sing all of these songs every scene every scene and it just it's exhausting i got so tired of it there's even a, sh a, a, a scene where um i forget what one of the characters says but the, i think one of the characters is like don't break out into song again what are you doing and I literally was like talking to my TV screen. I was like, yeah, please don't, please. And then they do. It just wasn't for me, this movie. It, it wasn't really for me. Uh, you know, I love all the, I love the cinematography. I love the score, not the music by the actors, but the score. I loved the whole, you know, nostalgic feel to it. But, you know, I, the disorienting way of it, I get why Davies does it in this movie, but it, it, I didn't care for anyone in the film. I cared for, I cared for the mom, but a little bit, 
we don't really learn a ton about her per se. Again, that's not really a problem because you don't have to follow movie roles where everyone's given a character arc. That's no, this is Davy's movie. It's his art. His art just wasn't really for me in this movie. I, I like a lot of his other movies a lot more. Um, maybe it'll stick with me. Who knows? Maybe it'll stick with me. Uh, it, it was just, you know, it was a short movie too. It's only like an hour and I think 24 minutes, but it's got gorgeous moments. It's got heartbreaking moments. I think anyone who's British who is still alive and grew up in the 40s is going to go, yeah, that's what it was like. I mean, I could talk to my grandmother and she could watch this and probably go, you know, yeah, that's, that. well, <laughs> I, got, I don't, I really hope that her father wasn't abusive, but <laughs> um, he wasn't. But, uh, you know, yeah, he, it, it captures the culture of the period very nicely. It's stylistically a gorgeous movie. I think it's more of a style over substance movie, you know? And I would have liked it if there was less singing. That sounds like a really stupid excuse, but... um. I just, I couldn't get why, I couldn't understand why music was so big in this movie. I, I could not get it. And after like the 50th, 50th song, I just, I, I kind of like had to turn my head away, honestly. Yeah. But look, this is not a dreadful movie. This really is not. I really, I, I wouldn't recommend this. I mean, I would if you want to, if you, if you don't believe anything I say on this podcast, but this movie is available to stream for free on Tubi. Tubi. T-U-B-I. Remember the Super Bowl when they had a Tubi commercial and everyone thought that their TVs had frozen? It was really just Tubi being annoying and being like, we have free movies and shows. Download us. Yeah. Tubi does have a lot of good movies, though. A lot of uh, underrated like indies, uh, which I do appreciate. But it's for free. You can download uh, the app. You can watch Distant Voices Still Lives on there if you want to. I highly recommend, though, other Terrence Davies movies. I really recommend The Deep Blue Sea. I recommend A Quiet Passion. Benediction, which just came out last year. Benediction is slow moving, but it's uh, based on a true story about a very famous British poet. He was a poet, wasn't he? Oh, God. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, pause, pause. Stand by, stand by. Don't leave, don't leave. Benediction, Benediction. Siegfried Sassoon. Yes, he was a war poet, a writer, and a soldier. And he was gay. And the movie really touches on that a lot, and it's gorgeously done. Yeah, Benediction came out last year. It was released by uh, Roadside Attractions? Really? I didn't know that. Um, it's not even called that anymore, is it? I, I don't remember. But look, I'm not saying avoid this one, Distant Voices Still Lives. I'm just saying definitely check out a Terrence Davies movie. He is a one-of-a-kind director, I cannot wait to see what he does next. You know, he's a director that takes his time, too, with his art, with his you know, film slash art, whatever you want to call it, which I think is really good. You get a lot of directors who rush into things, and he doesn't. And, uh, yeah, great director. Movie wasn't really for me. Anyway, it happens. Not going to like every single movie that I watch. And I did not hate this movie. I just hated the singing. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's not that they sung badly. It just was that they sung too much. They sang too much, you know? Um, just way too much. 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 Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. But look, give it a shot if you want to, and definitely to check out this director's work of art. Works of art. 
Jesus Christ. You know why I just stumbled there? Because I'm thinking about the singing again. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to freaking sleep tonight because of the songs in this movie. I don't really remember how they go. I just remember... Imagine just British people singing, la, 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 like, from beginning to end. Yeah, that's what Distant Voices Still Lives is. Anyway, look, I'm not, I'm not trash-talking this movie. It's just my opinion. I think that's it for today's episode, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to click, rate, subscribe, uh, review. Give me all your feedback that you want. Tell everyone about this. It's so much fun doing this. I am loving it so far. I cannot wait for the next movie because it's a documentary that came out in 2010 and I'd never heard of it. And 2010, I was in college and I saw everything. WTF? What was I doing? Well, probably drinking because, you know, college, you got to drink because you think you got to fit in and then you just look like an idiot and you do stupid things. I wrote a book about my college experience. I think I said that already, but I'll shut up now. I don't want to get into that. It's not for sale either. I think I said it already too. Alrighty. Yes, this movie available on Tubi. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Have a good whatever. If you are uh, in a good mood, I hope you continue to have a good mood. If you're in a bad mood, get out of it. Life's too short. You know what helps me if I'm in a bad mood? Scream in a pillow. Or you can just go work out and scream as you're working out. But talk to your gym manager first before you do that because you don't want to scare people. Alrighty, bye-bye. <laughs>